0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Well, hello. It's good to be with you today. Are you a local? How long do you need to be around in a town before... You are a local. I've been here 23 years in Horsham. Does that make me a local? What about in your Christian faith? Do you consider yourself a long term Christian? Were you born into a Christian family? Are you more recently um, become a Christian? Have you changed your practices? in your Christian faith? Does it change depending on your circumstances of what's happening around you? Are you learning a lot in your Christian faith right now? I imagine in this odd year of 2020, there might be some differences for you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Let's have a look at what that says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a great passage, isn't it? But I wonder what it actually looks like to store up for yourselves your treasure in heaven. What does that look like to store up treasure in heaven? The Bible helps us with um, working this out to unpack this. And there's a passage in... um, Colossians chapter 2 and I'm using the message translation because it helps me so hopefully that helps you too so let's have a look at Colossians chapter 2 verses 3 to 4 I want you woven into a tapestry of love in touch with everything there is to know of God then you will have minds confident and at rest focused on Christ God's great mystery. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown the mystery. So, this gives us a few clues, doesn't it, about what the treasures might be. The richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that the mystery. To have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ. But did you miss that first line? Because oh, every time I read that first line, it just blows my mind. And let's go back over it because I just want to make sure that we've got that too. I want you woven into a tapestry of love. That imagery of tapestry has really hit for me. And you may have um, come across this imagery before, but just to talk more about that imagery, the imagery of tapestry as our story, that as we weave our tapestry and as we discover our story, we might be weaving in our culture We might be weaving in our family history and that family history might not necessarily be something that we have directly experienced but nevertheless it becomes part of our tapestry, part of our story. We might weave in experiences that are good and great or experiences that... bad. They might be experiences that we have caused upon ourselves or that others have caused on us. And as we hold up our tapestry, it might be a little patchy. (laughs) It might be something that we look at and sigh. And it might be that for this year, as Faye was talking about before, that for 2020, It's a year that we are a little bit unsure about. There might be separation from loved ones that is getting weaved into that tapestry. There might be financial stress. We might have had to um, put on hold or missed significant events that we thought were going to be part of 2020. Or there might have been new experiences that we never knew, uh, positive ones that were possible for 2020. So what are we weaving into our tapestry? What is it that that is making it into our tapestry for 2020? Are we going to look back at our tapestry for this year and is it going to be one of those squares of the the tapestry that we look at and go, ah, remember when we had that 2020 year and all of those things that happened and are we going to look at it and go, that was, that was quite the year, wasn't it, with a with a positive, And uh, look at what God did in that year. Or is it going to be a year when we go, remember when? Oh. <laughs> and with a bit of a sigh. Because we've got another story that's going on in our heads about 2020. Or previously that is still there. What's our story? What are we holding on to in this time of upheaval? Well, talking about stories, we're going to look at some stories over the next few weeks. It's actually the same story, but we're going to look at two different people within the story. One of them is moving to a new place, is starting a new faith journey, is under financial stress, and social isolation. And the other is coming home to something that's familiar, maybe all too familiar, but quite different. Same faith, but now socially vulnerable. And who are these people in the stories? Or who do do you relate to any of those aspects of those stories? Well, first of all, have you guessed? Well, it's Ruth. It's a story of Ruth from the Old Testament. And the other person in the story is Naomi. So we're going to focus on Ruth for this week and then Naomi for next week. So I hope you can join us again for next week for part two. (laughs) But let's, let's start in Bethlehem. So here we are in Bethlehem. And although we're starting with Ruth, Ruth is not actually on the scene yet. So, <laughs> so you just have to be patient until we meet Ruth. But we're going to start with uh, Elimelech and Naomi. And they're in Bethlehem, their homeland. And they have two sons, Marlon and Killian, and so they're in Bethlehem and it's, the, uh, it's in Judah. So they're Jews, they're um, born here and they're practising Jewish family but unfortunately it's not a very good time for them. There's actually a famine and so they're not coping very well. So they put their, um, th- their land into debt and they move um, to Moab well, it looks much better, not quite sure how much better it was, but at least it wasn't in famine. But the issue with Moab is that that's actually, it's 160 kilometres away or thereabouts, so it's a fair hike that they had to move, but Moab was actually a people that were oppressing the Israelites in not very long ago. They oppressed them for 18 years, so it was a fairly long time as well, and so they were you know enemies to the Israelites, so it would have been quite the upheaval to move your family with your two sons to a place like Moab, but that's where they went. well, when they got to Moab, unfortunately, things didn't go too well um, the uh, The husband elimelech died after a, a short time and then um, the well, and then the the two sons married to the Moabite women to Orpah and to Ruth. So here we go. We've finally met Ruth, the woman we're talking about this morning. And so, but of course, these women weren't practicing Jews, and so this would have been quite a strange environment to have um, a clash of cultures. And for 10 years, both of these, um, these, these couples were married and no children, no children. And then both of those sons died. So we've got, um, we've got Naomi and the two daughters-in-law and that's it. So they're all widows and Naomi decides to go back home And she tells both uh, Orpah and Ruth to go back to their parents. And so Orpah goes after a little bit of complaining, but Ruth is uh, not quite so easy to convince to go. And this is quite a famous uh, declaration that Ruth makes that we will now look at in uh, Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. So let's have a look at this. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, and be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. <laughs> Ruth sounds like a very bold woman. <laughs> and she may not be exactly sure of who this God is um, and the faith, but she is, has decided to put her trust in Naomi's God. So now we have Naomi and Ruth Returning to Bethlehem. Remember, it was 160 kilometres. Might have been quite the quiet journey, <laughs> but anyway, they come back to Bethlehem, and we'll hear next week how what happens with Naomi as she arrives back in Bethlehem. But let's focus on Ruth. So she is homeless, stateless. She's a widow, an enemy. She's hungry has strange customs that she's surrounded by, strange practices and strange people all around her that she doesn't know. Have you ever been in a situation where nothing is familiar for you? Ruth does have Naomi and Naomi's God and as we'll find out, there is distant family relations Of Naomi but we have also heard that Ruth has put her trust in God and as Ruth is a woman of action and declaration we'll find out next what Ruth is doing and therefore what God is doing with Ruth so Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. So let's have a look at what that field may have looked like. So here we go. Here's a field. And so there's a gleaning practice back then. This is the social security of uh, back in these times. So they had leftover grain that they'd leave behind. And so those that were too poor to to be able to... um, you know, afford food themselves, would go into the fields and pick up the leftover grain. And so this is what happened. So I'm going to continue reading in Ruth chapter 2, going on from verse 3. So she went out and entered the field and began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Do you remember that name? That was Naomi's husband. So... Boaz is a relative. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and and gather among uh, among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, "'My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled.'" At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have you found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your mother and father and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Wow. (laughs) God has an amazing plan for Ruth. He is weaving an incredible tapestry for this woman, Ruth. So she goes home and she's got this, you know. Boaz makes sure that there's so much extra grain left for Ruth and, and Naomi realises not only are they being looked after with all this grain, but uh, they're being looked after by somebody who can be their, their guardian redeemer. Basically, that is someone who could inherit. And back then, those that can inherit, those that are a guardian redeemer, not just couldn't, can inherit the land, but also inherit the 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 female, <laughs> and therefore, can carry on the family line and have children. So, inherit the the woman, <laughs> and uh, the and that's that's so so important. So, so it's uh, she's she comes up with a plan. Naomi hatches quite the cunning plan, and uh, and Ruth agrees to follow it. So let's follow what this plan is as we read from chapter 3, uh, verses 6 to 10. Oh, hang on, just got to go back. Oh, now I'm going the wrong way. We've just got to have a look at something here. So this diagram, this picture here is The best guess of what a threshing floor might have looked like, and it mentions in the passage that we're about to read what a threshing floor is. So as we read, you can imagine maybe what a threshing floor was. Okay. So, she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. So they've found a guardian redeemer. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Doesn't that um, ring back to the the passage we read before from Ruth two, verse twelve, where you know, under the wings that I have come to take refuge. So the story continues and in chapter 4 verse 13, Ruth marries Boaz and they conceive a son and that son fathers Jesse who fathers David who becomes king and then eventually is in the line of Jesus and then Jesus is born in Bethlehem. So Ruth is in the line uh, that eventually leads to Jesus. And the tapestry that God has set up for Ruth is just so beautiful. Ruth had every reason to give up, but God didn't give up on her. And he had a plan, and the most beautiful tapestry that she could she would never have been able to imagine that. And God wants us to to be woven into that tapestry of love. Let's have a look again at that Colossians passage. I want you woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mystery. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown the mystery. So it's not a time of survival, but it's a time to live, a time to live into the richest treasures that he has for you. So can you remember who you've been called to be by God? Can you remember the richest treasure that he has for your life? And if you've never heard that call, it's not too late to respond to what God's God's plan has for you and your life, to let him start weaving your tapestry of love. And if you've forgotten about those rich treasures and God's great mystery for you, he's waiting. And we're waiting to, to help you with that. We are here, we're available to help you on your journey as you discover more and more about all it is about the richest treasure, that beautiful tapestry that he has for you. So I'd love to be able to pray together. So let's do that now, shall we? Lord God, we do thank you. We thank you that you have a plan for us. We thank you that you have a beautiful tapestry for our lives that you can give us these stories um, to remind us of beautiful tapestries that you have woven for those in the past, that even when people like Ruth are not quite sure of what's going on, that you have woven a beautiful tapestry for her and that we can see that in your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you draw out our beautiful tapestry too. God, when we can't see it, we ask, Lord, that you will um, put others around us to draw it out of us too. For those, Lord, that have never even seen the possibilities, we ask that this morning that they will be able to see that. God, will you just lay it on their hearts and that they will know that they are a tapestry of love, that they are loved. We thank you, God, that you just love us so, so much. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.